Thank you, and I'm uh, excited to share with you guys uh, today. Uh, so as we talk about this concept uh, and this reality of being rooted in love, a couple things kind of came to mind, and one of these is this illustration of a plant. And, and the reason this is is because in John chapter 15, as Jesus is giving this last prayer, his last uh, sermon and message, if you will, to his closest friends and disciples, he, he, there's one thing that remains constant. In John chapter 15, uh, almost a dozen times, Jesus says, remain, 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 remain. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. In other translations, it says, abide in me. But he says, remain in me, remain in my love. Uh, remain, let my words remain in you. And he's constantly saying, remain, remain, and remain. And I think the reason Jesus says this is because our tendency, if we're not careful, is to escape, escape, escape. Uh, and so when we think of this idea of this plant remaining in its soil, it's, it's the picture that Jesus gives us. He says, if you would just remain in my love, uh, let's call it the soil. If you would just remain in my love, you would bear much fruit. You would see things happen. I think the problem sometimes that happens, that occurs, is that maybe we don't see the growth that we thought we would see when we first uh, experienced this love and this relationship with Jesus. And so we say, well, well, God, you promised so many beautiful things to me, but I'm not seeing it. This, this plant called my life is still pretty small. I thought I would be a sequoia by now, but I'm still this tiny little house plant. God, what are you doing? And so instead of remaining in God's love, we quickly jump ship to whatever's bigger or better. And we think, well, well, maybe it's my job that will bring me the satisfaction and the happiness that I'm looking for. You know what, maybe it's, it's this relationship with this significant other. The past ones weren't working, so maybe this is what it is. I just need a different circumstance. And so often we base our life and our identity in the things and the people and the places around us instead of being rooted and remaining in the love of God and remaining good soil. And then when we quickly realize that circumstances don't bring us joy, and, and if, it, if it does, it's happiness, that, happiness that's fleeting, uh, we quickly jump to the next thing and we think, well, well, maybe, well, that wasn't working, so I need to go to the next thing. And we constantly do this. When Jesus says, if you would just remain in me, I'm here, I'm constant, I'm faithful, I'm not going anywhere. My love is good and it's for you and I have good things that I promise you. But we constantly jump from thing to thing or person to person, place to place, trying to get this temporary satisfaction, this quick fix, if you will. And sometimes we even sacrifice it to the point of, man, we know what God has called us into and there's this big purpose and it scares us. So we try to settle for something a lot smaller. It doesn't fit in the plans and purposes that he has for us. Man, they, they just can't contain in this little circumstantial box that we try to put God in. But Jesus says, if you would just remain in me, if you would just remain in the good and beautiful soil of my love, then you would see good things happen. And what's beautiful is the, when Jesus calls us to remain, so much of what he wants to do is beneath the surface. It's the root system. It's the trust factor. It's the perseverance that he's trying to develop inside of us. See, this plant is only as strong as the roots that it grows beneath the soil. If the, soil, if the roots are too shallow, then anything will knock it over and any kind of storm will blow it over. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you would just remain in me, what I wanna do in you is more important than what I wanna do through you. It's only out of an overflow of what I wanna do in you that you're gonna do things in this world. See, we can do a lot of good things, but unless we remain in the soil of his love, we can't do a lot of God things. Good. Good word from Ricky. How do we remain rooted in God's love? Because when we do, it changes everything. 
You know, there was a Sundance uh, film festival film a number of years ago called Three Seasons, and it was about this rickshaw driver um, who, who uh, one day picks up this beautiful woman and um, does her a favor and takes her uh, to, to her home. And the next few days, he finds she's kind of hanging around him, kind of almost like following him. And then he realizes she's a prostitute. And he decides to continue doing her a favor and taking her from her home to the hotel where she works. And over time, he starts to get to know her and hear her story. And he, and he learns about the abuse that she went through growing up and how she hates her life. And her dream is to not be a prostitute, but to have enough money to one day be a guest in the hotel in which she works. And to wake up in the morning and have breakfast served to her in bed and not get kicked out by the men who used her and then despised her. And he continues to uh, just kind of watch over her. And as he does, he actually starts to fall in love with her. And he finds out about this rickshaw contest uh, that has prize money, a lot of prize money, and he enters it and he actually wins it. But instead of just spending the money on himself, he tells her that what he wants more than anything else is to have a night with her in the hotel. And it's a Sundance Film Festival film. So you're getting ready, you know, camera angles and music, and you're getting ready for this, you know, steamy sex scene, right? And uh, she comes out of the room uh, dressed like a prostitute, and he gets a dress out of a box, and he says, I want you to put this white dress on, and I want you to take off your makeup. I think you're beautiful without it. And then she comes out in the white dress, and he serves her dinner. And they talk late into the night. And he says, now, I want you to lay down on the bed and go to sleep. And he watches her sleep all night. They never physically touch at all. In the morning, she wakes up, and room service is there bringing her breakfast. And then he brings her home. And he didn't see her for a while after that. And when he finally did, she's angry. She's angry with him. She says, you've ruined my life. You've ruined me. I don't know what to do. I can't go back to my old life, but I don't know how to, how to survive. She tasted real love. It ruined her. She couldn't go back to the lesser life. You know, I think we are a lot like that story uh, in many ways. We all have this deep desire for love, but we all, through the abuses of life, get manipulated to aim our desire at the wrong target and something that promised to meet this deep need that ends up, you know, many times ruining us or others. You've experienced it, I'm sure. And just like the Sundance film, when we begin to experience the love of God, it ruins us. It ruins us because we realize this is what we were created for. We can't go back to the old ways we got our identity because we start to experience a new identity, loved by God, who you and I were created to be. But I bet most of us, that's not experientially necessarily true. And so that's what I want to explore today, that God actually has a plan to change the world life by life by his love, but that plan is more mysterious than maybe you've imagined. So we're in the book of Ephesians, we're in Ephesians chapter 3, I hope you're reading through it with us, and it says in Ephesians 3, 6, this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. 
Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the same promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church and to us as well. Though I'm, not, though I'm the least deserving of all God's people, Paul says, but God graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. God has a plan. He's doing something in the world. And now to understand what he's talking about, you know, Jews and Gentiles back in in Jesus' day, I mean, we're talking about the greatest racial, ethnic, religious, socioeconomic divide you can imagine. The Jews were an oppressed minority under this brutal Roman rule. They lived at the crossroads of Greek civilization with its Greek philosophy mixed with mythological gods and all kind of immoral practices, all that highly offended the Jewish people. Then you had Africans and Indians and Persians all traveling through Israel because Israel was like the center of the crossroads of commerce between three continents. And in the Jewish mind, especially the, the, the religious Jewish mind, there was a, an us-them, us versus the Gentiles mentality that developed. Now think about how that applies to us today. You know, think of all the things that try to divide us, right? Race against race. Um, Democrats against Republicans. Fox News disciples against MSNBC disciples, Right? Poor versus the rich. I mean, whatever divide you can imagine, this one was greater in that day. And yet God says he has a plan to unite all people, all his children under equal status. In fact, Paul describes it to the Galatian church like this. Galatians 3. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news equally, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. I'm sorry, in Ephesians 3. That's the good news of God in Christ. You don't have to earn it, deserve it, fight for it, prove yourself, jump through religious hoops. You just have to receive it. Jews, Gentiles, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Greeks, Romans, Christians, God includes everyone. You're already included if you don't disclude yourself. Important point, God doesn't force people to love him. He doesn't force people into his love plan. But for all who want God's forgiveness and his leadership that he made a way through Christ, we are included in Christ. And we've been talking about what that means. That when you identify with Christ, you have been given a new identity, a new standing before God a new way of seeing yourself as God sees you, and it ruins you when you really see it in a good way. You don't want to go back to the lesser life of trying to control the universe by yourself to be loved because you're already rooted. You're rooting in that love. And this changes us, and it unites us. As equal status says, that when we come into right relationship with God, we become God's adopted son or daughter 
equal inheritance for all, of all that God owns. Do you know what God owns? <laughs> Everything. Everything. Look at what it says. Equal blessings, endless treasures available to you in Christ. This is God's plan. And he explains to the Galatian church how he's uniting us across all these things where evil tries to divide us. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. See, all these categories where evil tries to divide us, ethnic, socioeconomic, gender, when we identify in Christ, God's plan is to bring a unity, a oneness that respects differences as created by God, that includes differences as needed to round us out, but that more importantly unites differences, not letting evil pit us against each other based on differences. God's love is the salve that heals all our differences, but we need his love. Now, Stu is a man who uh, has lived at the edge of extreme, all kinds of extreme sports, skiing down 3,000 foot near vertical drops. He has surfed the most dangerous wave in the world. It's called Chopu in, in Tahiti. Um, I think I have a picture of it. He has surfed that wave. Chopu literally in, in Tahitian means skull crusher because that wave breaks on a one foot deep reef. <laughs> Imagine, imagine it. But all the conquest, all the success, all the thrill of life can never substitute for the love we were created to be rooted in. So Stu wrote me and said this, I came to Gateway with desperate expectations. My 16-year relationship with my wife and only friend and confidant lay crumbled in irreparable ruins. My marriage was ending, and his teen kids were the ones that begged him to come to church. He said, I'd never been a believer or even an attendee of church. My own parents divorced when I was 11, leading to a disjointed and unstructured young life. I began smoking pot at 15. It became such an ingrained part of my life, I never even questioned its effects. For my whole life, I've been this thrill-seeking hedonist. I've liked helping others, but what really lit me up was the mental-emotional focus required to ride a bike down steep mountains, climbing up sheer walls, skiing down what amounts to free falls for 3,000 feet that creates a warm inner glow unmatched by anything else. If I skied down a 3,000-foot sheer drop, I would feel something on the inside. It would not be a warm inner glow. <laughs> I think it would be a burning inside terror. <laughs> but, but Stu talked about, he says, but it wasn't the accomplishment he was looking for, it was the belonging. He says, the ideas I started to learn at Gateway made me reconsider everything. Suddenly, I was included. All at once, it was for me and about me. If I wanted what Jesus did to count for me, I'm already included. This was news to me. Never before it had been presented that I was already good enough. I soon got baptized, and I was invited to join a life group, our, one of our smaller groups that meet together to grow spiritually. Upon joining the group, I noticed that no one seemed like me, a common observation on my part, solely intended to allow for easy departure from every group I'd ever entered. But I also, in all caps, noticed no one was like each other either. I, it quickly became apparent that our differences were supremely important 
in our desire to understand Jesus' message. As we got to know one another better, trust began. Trust enables vulnerability. We all want and need to be vulnerable, but we're afraid to be on so many different levels. But in this group was an enclave protected from harm by trust. We talked about things we were embarrassed about. Released from judgment, we became real with one another. I began to see my pot smoking as it truly was. It was creating an imperfect base upon which so many facets of my life were now teetering. Without any agony, with the support of the, uh, that I was already getting from my group and my Bible, I stopped smoking pot after 42 years. My group, even my non-Christian friends, were unbelievably supportive. Six months later, I cannot imagine returning to it. Thank you, Jesus. There's no need. I'm a child of God. He neither wants nor needs me to hide myself behind anything. After all, he sees me anyway, as I am, all caps, and he loves me. Ruined by the love of God. You just can't go back to the lesser life. And Stu talks about how he started to realize that, you know, his extreme sports enthusiasm is also a gift from God. And, and uh, recently I heard that he was on a campfire, around a campfire on a beach, um, talking, I mean, he interacts with extreme pro sports enthusiasts around the world. He was with a bunch of pro surfers sharing how God's love is changing his life. And they were so enthralled, they were asking him questions for an hour and a half. God's plan is mysterious. You know, his plan of love conquers the world to spread that across the globe isn't like we would do, you know, where we try to force it to happen. No, he uses people like Stu, like me, like you, like Paul. Paul, a hater of Gentiles, a hater of Christians. That's why Paul says, I was the least deserving of all. He was killing Christians. And yet, God so changes his heart by his love, Paul would be willing to suffer for Gentiles to help them understand the riches available in Jesus. This is how God's love conquers. Not by force, by be willing, willing even to lay down our lives for the good of others. Even others we once didn't even like. Think about it. What if both parties in struggling marriages today could find the power to love like that? You know, to lay down their lives for the good of the others, and if both did that, I'm not talking about putting up with abuse. We're gonna do a whole series next on, on abuse, and that's important. But I'm talking about just not trying to control and dominate and make the other change. What if both parties did that? Our divorce culture would change. You know, what if your company leadership would give themselves for the good of their employees out of love for God? And what if employees so loved God they wanted to give their best to help their bosses and companies succeed? All the office wars and politics and gossip and hurt would be replaced by, you know, this encouraging, supportive environment and greater productivity. And you know what? This is actually God's mysterious plan. He wants to change society through those of us who truly follow him that he calls his church. 
And Paul uses the term mysterion. He, he, he says it's a mystery. Now, this mystery actually, I don't like the way it's translated here because it's not really a riddle. It's not really a secret. The, the Greek word means something partially understood that will one day be fully revealed, but it's revealed over time. In other words, the full story of what God's been doing, like the Old Testament stories, don't make full sense without the Messiah his revelation, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and teachings. For instance, 4,000 years ago, you know, really at the dawn of recorded human history, God creates the Jewish people through Abraham and Sarah, and here's what he says, Genesis 12, I will make you into a great nation and bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God created the Jewish people to bless all the nations, but it wasn't clear how he would bless all the nations until Jesus comes. 780 BC, God tells the Jewish people about this Messiah that's gonna come. Isaiah 49, he says, I'm gonna make you, the Messiah, a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Well, it wasn't clear how Jesus would accomplish this until Jesus came and said, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus said this in John 3, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son to the world not to judge the world but to save or set right the world through him. See, God's mysterious plan is to spread his love to the whole world but through Jesus demonstrating a sacrificial love that pays for all our wrongs to reconnect, to reroot us in the very source of all love that we might then be that for other people until all the nations know. And that's why Jesus' last words were this, go and make followers of me of all the nations, baptize them or help them identify with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to do all the things I've told you. And he said, and you can sum up all the things I've told you as love God first and then love your neighbor, the people around you, as much as you love yourself. It's a mysterious plan, he said. And even more mysterious, he says, the church would be his conveyor of this love message. Now that kind of sounds like brake screeching, doesn't it? The church? You remember uh, LP Records? You remember, uh, you know, the, the LP going around, it's playing this beautiful music and something bumps the, 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 the player and it's like, you know, it's like, oh, just set your nerves on edge. You hear the church is his plan to spread his love. It's like, right? Kind of set your nerves on edge. Like, oh, that can't be. But what is the church? See, it's important to understand the church is not a building. It's not this building. It's not any building. It's not even... A gathering. It's not this gathering. The truth is some of you are his church and, and some of you aren't. And it's not always easy to tell. You know, no one thought Judas was going to give way to the most horrific evil to be crucified, you know, to give away and, and crucify Jesus, God's Messiah. And I don't think Judas thought he was doing anything wrong. I think he thought he was helping God out. But the problem was, he was really using God, trying to force Jesus into a corner, because what he really wanted was a conquering Messiah who would do away with his political enemies. And here's the mystery of what God's up to. 
Sometimes people who claim to be Christians are not following Jesus at all. They're, they're not seeking a love that will give them a power to love sacrificially even their enemies. Not looking for that. They're looking to use Jesus or use God for what they've already decided needs to happen in the world. Friends, that's playing God. And it does great damage to the church. But God is still at work. And even as he used Jesus, Judas evil to accomplish the greatest good, to use it to forgive all people who are willing through Jesus' death, he's using the church to do exactly what he said he would 4,000 years ago. And over the past 2,000 years, nations have been uniting in Christ. Truly, it's amazing. When you think about 4,000 years ago, he said he was going to do it. Jesus said the same thing. And here we are. Do you know at Gateway, we have 65 nations represented? We're experiencing the truth of this today. That all over the world, you know, the church is growing fastest. Not in America or Europe, South America, in China, in Africa. Truly, God is doing something amazing. Why, though, would he do it this way? Well, he said God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Don't forget this, friends. What God is trying to do through you and me is bigger than you or me or even us. You and I. His church, those who are truly willing to follow Jesus into a sacrificial kind of way of loving, God is using us to put on a clinic for the spiritual world, good and evil. See, God is taking diverse people, even enemies, and by God's spirit seeking to strengthen us when we're willing, by his power, and we need his power to love in a way that the world can't love a love that brings our divides together in amazing ways. So listen, when you take a step into community, and we're always gonna encourage you to because that's God's plan for us, not to sit isolated and alone, but to get involved with other people. But when you do, it's gonna be a diverse community and people are gonna rub you wrong. You're gonna discover differences that are gonna irritate you. You're gonna hurt them, they're gonna hurt you, conflict's gonna arise, and when it does, say good. Say good. You know why? Because any unity before that was just, sacri- just superficial, easy. So you, don't, you didn't even need God's power before that, right? Now you do. Now we can learn what it means to lean in, to root deep into a power source that has a love that can actually unite across all our divides. So don't ever think it's about you or even them or even our church. It's a far bigger story that God is telling. But we do need his power. And that's why Paul goes on in Ephesians 3 and says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly and confidently come into God's presence. Anytime, any place, even when you're struggling your worst. And so Paul prays this prayer. And this is the prayer I want to encourage you to meditate on daily until you're so rooted into it, you see it is who I am. This is who I am, loved by God. 
He prays, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, just how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you'll be made complete, lacking nothing, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want to do something for a second, friends. You know, um, there have been lots of studies done on how um, golfers who just imagine a perfect golf swing uh, or basketball players who just imagine a perfect free throw, when they go out physically, they actually live it out better. <laughs> it improves their swing, improves their shot. I want, I want to help you learn to do that with this. Um, so I want to just lead you through kind of a guided meditation on what God says is true. He likes you. And he loves you more than you can imagine. And he wants you to root into that. And I want to encourage you to do this daily until you're actually living as if it is true. It's going to change everything. It's going to ruin your old life, but for the better. And so here's what I want to do. Let me just say, I know some of you are here and you're still not even sure you believe in God. That's okay. I bet you believe in love, or at least you want it. Just meditate on this. What if God is, telling, is real and is telling the truth? Isn't it worth seeking out? Isn't it what you're really longing for? And so here's what I want us to do with our, our last few minutes. Maybe, maybe close your eyes just to avoid any distractions. Or if you're the type that when I close my eyes, I get distracted. I'm going to put that, that prayer back up here on the screen. And maybe you can just read it as I read it. And I'm just going to lead you through a meditation on this, how, how to go over it in your mind until your roots go down deep into it. I pray, God, that from your glorious unlimited resources, I mean, think about the creator of the universe, the resources available to God. Limitless. He's able to give you all you need. He, God lacks nothing and you are his dearly loved child. You'll inherit all he has. If that's true, how does that change the way I see myself? Just ponder that. From your glorious unlimited resources, I pray, you'll empower me with inner strength through your spirit. If you've opened your heart to him through Christ, he says his spirit is in you to empower you, but not with a power to control or dominate or change others, but to love with an inner strength that he's promised. So imagine those hard to love times. Picture those impatient times, those times you struggle with temptations, whatever it is. Imagine tapping into a power so great, an inner strength that can help you act lovingly. Feel at peace when the storm rages around you. Be patient even when you would explode. Overcome temptation. Lord, help me 
not keep trying to do it by my own strength. I don't have enough strength to love as you love. Help me lean into your power to love when it gets hard. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Lord, I want to feel at home. I want you to feel at home. In my inner person, in my thoughts, in my motives, you already know them all. I can't hide anything from you. You created me. You love me like no other. Come live at home in me. I invite you to rearrange my inner house so that every room is full of your love and life and the confidence you bring. Just picture that. Picture your life like a house and you invite Jesus in. But then do you go about your life and you just leave him in the entryway? Because here's the thing, he's a gentleman. He doesn't, he's love. Love doesn't force its way in where it's not invited. Do you invite him into the kitchen? The place where you eat and drink, the things that you put in your body, how you take care of yourself. Do you let his love shine his light on that and show you um, how love would take care of your body? Do you invite him into the entertainment room to let him see with you what you're seeing or how you entertain yourself? Do you trust that his love really wants to lead you into good things and yet also show you the things that are maybe keeping you stuck? What about the bedroom, the place where your sexuality, your fantasy life resides? Do you let him in there? He loves you. He knows all already, every thought. There's nothing hidden. But do you talk it over with him and say, God, you are the source of love. Show me how to love in a way that doesn't hurt me and hurt others, but truly is a better way. What about that secret closet we all have in our lives? Those places where we keep things from the past hidden from everybody, maybe even ourselves. Those things that in reality are stinking up our home, but we just want to keep it locked away and not deal with it. Do you let them in there? If you will, he'll show you. All he needs is permission to clean it out, fill it with a love that overflows. And then your roots will go down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and long and high and deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. So imagine. Imagine how wide and long and deep and high human love can go. A mother's love for her child that protects and nurtures and feeds and provides, teaches, develops, or a father's love, a grandparent's love, invests in, even sacrifices and protects, a Mother Teresa's, an MLK's love that would put themselves in harm's way to love the oppressed or outcast or forgotten. What other human examples can you imagine? And then take those and multiply them by a thousand if you want to experience God's love for you. 
It's too great to fully understand. But try. God, is that truly how you feel about me? You really love me that much? You really want to fill me up with that love so that I'm complete, lacking nothing, where I need nothing, I want nothing, because I have all my heart really desires? God, help me act on what you say is true. And I'm so special to you. If no one else had been on earth, Jesus would have demonstrated your love by dying on that cross for me. That is who I am, loved by God. That is who you are, your new identity in Christ, his beloved child. then I will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen. Amen. It's good, isn't it? I want to encourage you. Don't just let the message come and go. This is what God wants for us. Root deeply in it. Daily. Go over and over and over it until you find that you're going out And you're living it out because this is what God says is true, how he feels about you. I want to encourage you, you know, to come out of the shadows and get into community. And now is a great time. You know, at the Connect spots, you can find out about Connect groups if you want to just try out a group for eight weeks. Or if you're ready to get into a life group, you know, like Stu was talking about, you don't have to have any previous knowledge. You don't even have to believe yet. All you have to have is a willingness to grow. Um, if you want to get connected serving others with others, go to the starting gate uh, over there and take a 15-minute tour right after the service. And our prayer team would love to pray with you after. And why don't we stand together? And I want to close with the words that Paul closes Ephesians 3 with, a benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, according to his power at work within you. Now to him be glory and honor in the church, in you, and through Jesus Christ for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday.